Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. It's that little chico pit boom, Mr. 305, but it said Mr. Worldwide. You already know what it is. Listen to my new podcast from negative to positive. Subscribe today. Now, part of the things that we're doing over here at negative to positive is encouraging people to change their lives, change the things that are within their power. I want to thank our good friends at KFC for helping me bring this to you. Feed your whole crew with KFC. Let's go. I can get the KFC bucket of chicken and you know, that's fire. Now, Bobo, you know that you could get that mac and cheese, that mashed potato, gravy, those biscuits. Now, that's that's trouble right there. That is fire right there. You know, on negative to positive, we're always talking about striving and achievement. And, and the Colonel Sanders story is, is a story that inspired me since I was 10 years old. Look how life comes full circle. Now I'm talking about Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken and how much I love it. <laughs> Listen to my new podcast from negative to positive. Check out the vodcast. Subscribe today. Apple Podcast. Podcast One. Spotify. I have been fed, that's a fact. I have been fed, that's a fact. My credit card purchases get me cash back. My credit card purchases get me cash back. No one else gets these rewards. Sergeant, that is just plain untrue. What in tarnation? Sir, PenFed's PowerCash Rewards Card isn't just for military members. Anyone can get cash back on all purchases. Ah, figgins! You've ruined my favorite song. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash PowerCash. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Welcome to Giant Size Heroes number 33. That's right, three more than 30 and two less than 35. It's Giant Size 33. This is our, what, second to last of the year? It's, well, okay. It's technically our last of the year uh-huh. because the one that goes with the New Year's Eve episode won't drop until January. Oh, touche. Okay, it's our last episode of the year. And I thought I thought it had a skip week next week. Right. Uh, we don't know what time it is. We have pre-filmed and extra-filmed, and we're in the future and the past. Everything's going on. Welcome. Speaking of which. Speaking of which. Watch me! <laughs> All time is simultaneous. You are living here and now, but also then and also when. I, uh, I'm i obsessed with the show. I really want a four-hour dissertation. I really want to break it down. Um, but we dove into it a little bit on Tuesday's show. I, we got to go more. Uh, are we doing spoilers? We did Tuesday. We did. This is, is after that a Tuesday. For people? I don't know. Okay. It's... Spoilers, 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 spoilers. Spoilers. Okay, so that's totally fair. You're right. Because if, if they didn't watch the show Tuesday. Not that, everyone in the world has HBO. I just, that's, I, that's true. But, but if they don't have HBO, will they it. be watching it? Eventually. Okay. I don't know. Skip ahead 10 minutes. Yep, if if do you don't that. have HBO do or if you haven't seen it or if you're watching it like slowly, like we're going to do with Runaways, <laughs> uh, I think this is my favorite comic book adaptation because I think it is the first one to not only change the gravitas, it, it, there, it it's completely not tongue in cheek. Like there's no wink at the camera about costumes. Everything you just accept it. And the beauty of the show is by episode like seven, they're fully comic-y and you're mm. just you're so invested in the world, like they can do whatever. <laughs> like the freaking giant lynx catch could have showed up and be like, Yeah, of course. Well, like, yeah. like I would have been fine with it. Whereas Did we not I thought we We had a stuffed animal. Okay. There was a reference. You're right. But like if the cat had shown up, I'd have been like, Of course, why yeah. wouldn't it? Who best is but then that's the beauty of the show is like we'd gotten to that point and and it didn't take that long, um, so I I want to give a credit to the show's groundedness while also having a giant blue guy in it. Yep, that's incredible. It is a truly great achievement. I have a question for you. Yes, because this is one thing I left the finale 
really wondering about for myself. I had braced myself so hard to be devastated because this uh, this season concerned itself in a lot of ways with finding the familiar themes and elements and things we know from Watchmen, but giving to them to you in surprising ways. And one of the things that I was like, it's trying, it's doing a lot of the things that Watchmen does. That was a goal they set. They want to make you feel similar kinds of feelings, but in ways you don't expect. Mm-hmm. And Watchmen is a devastating read mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, Watchmen ends. Uh, spoilers for the book Watchmen. Uh, bad guy wins. Everyone is morally corrupted, uh, and it is sad. And the Earth is kind of saved, but because of bad things. And that was a pretty revolutionary ending. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, I can't wait to be real sad when this ends. And then to a great extent, this ends happy. We do lose. We do. We lose. Dr. Manhattan, we lose some battles. We also, like, we lose that love story. Which was the crux. Yeah. Um, we do gain a new hero, but... But we also have... We're not sure whether we... How... What manner of good we should feel about that. Because right. earlier in the same episode, there is the warning from Ozymandias that anyone who would seek this power can't get it. Uh, but now, she didn't seek... Oh, she did directly seek it. That's true. Does it count or doesn't it? I feel like she was seeking it to feel a kinship with him. Like, to, to feel, like, connected again. Mm. Like, I felt like it was love, not power. Um, but I also – I feel like the ending reflects the time more because, yo, this is going to be lightly political. Spoiler warning for <laughs> you yelling at me. Uh, I feel like the 80s were a more uh, – okay. I've got a – there's a lot to go into this, so yeah, I've got a theory. Yeah, I can't wait to see where this is going. I believe that the 60s were a reflection of the 50s in that we had this delusion of the American dream in the 50s and 60s we started to hallucinate and have all these fallouts because of the delusion. Like we started to accept that the American dream of the 50s wasn't possible so we started to alter our states in order to cope with the world we actually lived in. I feel like the 70s evolved out of that and we were still trying to figure that all out but we discovered new uppers in the 80s and we rode this high. The music was more peppy. The drugs were all uppers. The entire society was like go, go, go. Wall Street was very big like all of those things and i feel like the 90s was the great hangover that america went through because of the years of upper and i feel like now we're in that like i've been addicted to a horrible drug for a long time phase and we're limping along so i feel like you need positive stories in the current darkness just like then we were all on an upper so the stories could be darker like well, if you look Watchmen at is about the world almost ending in nuclear fire which was this lurking horror underneath every moment of the day it was the decade of reagan and thatcher it was like there was a lot to react against that was not uh, happy time. I mean, I'm saying like broad strokes. I okay. feel like we look back in the 80s positively. Mm. I don't think we'll look back on this de- decade positively. <laughs> like that's what I mean. Like the 90s had its grunge and it had its like, you know, its teen angst and all those things. I feel like when you look we're, when we're going to look at the 2010s, we're going to be looking at the adult version of sadness. Like I feel like this is the worst off we've been since like, you know, we were doing horrible like it's a bad time so i feel like we need the happy ending out of watchmen because we got the sad ending out of watchmen we were all in blow <laughs> this is a truly fascinating uh like and i i love that this that I, i'm not sure i follow you on all of your decade definitions but i it's a broadest of strokes literally like, like uh, i love that we can even have this conversation and it's because there is a legit like sequel to watch which is a real thing i'm saying out loud uh but that it raises a bunch of these questions that it really does try to deal in like the the darker and lighter things out there in the world look at we and saw there the future is an in the argument 80s. to be made that uh 
that if you want to surprise people, don't repeat the same beat as Watchmen. Do something different with it. The question is, like, is that unsubverting the things it subverts? Um, I And the, the answer, like, those were the things I was left with immediately after the finale, where I haven't figured out the answers to a lot of those questions yet. But first of all, I like not having clear answers for myself yet of, like, was that a good thing? Did it, like, what, what's, what do I think of all of this? What do I think of this ending? Uh, I like sitting with those questions. I am enjoying the fact that it will be worth my time to chew on this and come to like decisions and change my mind later and re-encounter the text and find more things in it because that's what Watchmen is like. Go back through, see what it adds up to this time. Uh, I, I'm so impressed by what they've done. I'm so impressed by the show that they've made. Uh, I can't believe how happy I am about it existing uh, yeah, let's talk about Watchmen forever. I uh, I love the amount of detail in it that when I rewatch it, I'm going to find new things. I love the the book. I, I didn't catch the book that kept coming up in the story was Bob written Dancing? by. Yeah, it was written by the same author of the pirate, like the the the, the black. black yeah, Black Freighter. Uh, that is brilliant. Like there were so many things that I'm just now like they're dawning on me after the show's mm-hmm. over. Uh, I will say if anyone I'm going to repeat this plug because I took my own advice. Finally, uh, I had read bits and pieces of Pedipedia throughout the season, but I finally went down with all of it and it. One and we can confirm that Dale is Lube Man, right? They strongly hint. Okay, because Dale is Lube Man. Because <laughs> I thought Dale was Lube Man, and I kept waiting for the reveal. I wanted to see him like Lube Man take his mask off and have that weird thing with Angela. And when it didn't happen, I was like, "But Dale is Lube Man." <laughs> like the only thing I feel like I was let down on was a weird, like a fun weird reveal that I was counting up. Like my own headcanon was like, "But where's Lube Man?" <laughs> um, for what that's worth, uh, I I want to my final point on my weird decade thing. When you look at movies uh, from a decade and how they perceive the future, I feel like movies set in the 80s, their young adult future things were always hyper positive about what the future could be. Like you're Are back you to the future sure, and all those things. Sure, because 80s had a lot of very weird science and yeah, but there, well. but it was always like with Huey Lewis and the news in the background. Like there was a peppiness to it. Whereas look at like Hunger Games and Maze Runner. Like we're just like everything's gonna suck. I I'm, I'm, we'll, we'll have to resume this argument. Okay. But I, like, the 80s established a lot of, like, sci-fi dystopia that we still go back to precisely because there were things that seemed good and shiny in the universe and there were darker undercurrents. The whole point of a smiley face button with some blood on it is the waking up in the 80s, like, dark underside of the shiny happy thing. Mm-hmm. Like, that, that, that was precisely what was informing the prominent science fiction and dystopian like arcs of, of storytelling in the 80s uh, but and yeah. the eminent failures of Reaganism uh, <laughs> now I yeah, can we, I, sorry the past we're picking fights <laughs> with you uh, Nancy Reagan one of the worst things happened in this country uh, now I would love to have an entire dissertation on, on the decades and how I think they reflect American society <laughs> but that is an episode of Watchmen. Uh, if you haven't seen it, you're probably not listening, but it is truly groundbreaking TV. It is we something hope you're we... not listening. We really didn't want to ruin this for anyone. We're just excited, and we're running out of time to talk about things this year. We'll be, we'll be talking about it for years to come because it's that good, but also being talked about for years to come. Crisis on Infinite Earths <laughs> got a lot better for me. Oh, good! Uh, I had only seen the first one and three quarters. I didn't. I hadn't finished two because I was watching it right before we started right, the show. Right, right. So I enjoyed episode two a lot more than one. And I enjoyed three even more than two. So it turned a corner. uh, And I feel like that's the strength of The Flash. Because that's my favorite (laughs) show of them. And then episode three, I was like, but my family's here. So, like, there was something to the comfort of The Flash set. Um, So it's turned for me. I love the Superman's fight. Uh, I'm really enjoying the... Okay. I hate... 
and I, I, I hate to even okay, say this. Okay, um, just, just so you know, spoilers for Crisis. Yeah, uh, none of those things were spoilers yet because those were all in the trailer. But well, spoilers now. I just wanted now. to say that now, yep. I, Sorry, y'all. Spoilers for Crisis. I, I, and it's not about the actor, and it's not about his performance. It's about his, I hate John Cryer's Lex Luthor. <gasps> I love him! He's so weak and so, like... Coy, he's just, he's magnificent. Oh, he, he's... he brings life to every scene he's in. I want to punch him. You should want to punch him. He's Lex Luthor. But I want to punch him because I know I'd win, not because he's Lex Luthor. Because what? Because I know I'd win. I I, I feel like I could solve the problem. Like when there's like <laughs> superhero hijinks, I'm like, just punch him. Like it doesn't feel like Lex Luthor where you feel like there's no way that guy has any way to stand up to Brandon Routh. There's no way that guy would do anything that would ever harm Henry Cavill. There's no maybe Tyler, but like there's just nothing there that makes me believe in him as a strong entity. Coy, and watch I, it again. I, I I've tried. Like, <laughs> there's just something about him that just looks so flimsy. And, like, he doesn't have a presence to him. He's laughing all the way to the sole survivor there. To me, he's laughing all the way to the bank and he took it for a paycheck. I just don't feel like John Cryer is 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 in the role. I feel like... Oh, I 100% think it, like, he... he I, I honestly was... One of my big takeaways from this has just been how much fun it is to watch him be Lex. So since we have the different takes on Lex, the ending before the cliffhanger was absolutely garbage for me. So so and I think that and yeah. I think that's also dangerous because the people like me like I'm now like eh, I can wait a month I don't really care like I don't care about oh. what happens now because like the big reveal moment like I needed the cliffhanger because okay. that's what they were going to do but okay. then when the cliffhanger was him and he's with the team I was like I've got to watch more John Cryer like I'm now not interested in episode 4 You're wild I want him to go away Oh my god So like it's really hard because you're putting a lot on one I don't know like I I also having Brandon Ralph next to Tyler Houchin? Hecklin? Hecklin, Hecklin, thank you. I, I love Tyler Hecklin in Everybody Wants Some and a lot of his other roles, mm-hmm. but I thought I loved him as Superman until I saw Brandon Routh. <laughs> and then I was like, but maybe Kingdom Come stays. Like, it, and that's that's the trickiness of the show is like when you have all these different things. Like, I'm really glad um, my boy from uh, from This Is Us, uh, Justin Hartley, mm-hmm. doesn't show up as Arrow because I'd be like, yo, follow that Arrow. Like, follow <laughs> that man. Uh, so it's tricky because when you have two Supermans, obviously you're going to be drawn towards a certain thing. So I feel like Lex Luthor, like if that was Michael Rosenbaum, this would be this would be my end game. Like I'd be like, yo, Rosenbaum is with the soups. It's going to be a problem. But since <laughs> it's John Cryer, I'm like, yo, Big Bang Theory sucks and everything about it. Like I just, I can't, I can't. <laughs> so we have very You're different You're thinking of a different Chuck Lorre show, but yeah. Totally. Uh, <laughs> Which show is John Cryer from? He's from the other one, Two and a Half Men. Oh, okay. Was he pre or post cocaine Charlie Sheen? I don't have Was he on the what? whole show? Uh, Didn't Ashton Kutcher join it? Here's the things I know about Two and a Half Men. That was it. Those were the oh, okay. things I know about Two and a Half Men. The kid I'm became sorry. a Jesus freak. What? Charlie Sheen left. Ashton, I think, joined it. I feel like John Cryer was a main character throughout that show. Okay. So was he one I of the like... two and a half? I, was I... he one of the two men? We're very I'm this we don't even know the basic facts about this show. I guess I don't have to go back. That's not what we cover. Um I just love like somewhere out there someone is and loves that show and I'm so sorry I've literally never seen it as per my derailing confusion but I love the idea that someone's yelling like he's one of the two men and it makes perfect sense we're in like, canon is we're like is he is that guy so uh, the tone I, yeah. of the uh, the tone of him doesn't work for the rest of the universe for me so I'm really pulled out of it okay so that's interesting because it like it, this is the fun kind of disagreement where like there are other things that. There are things that are my favorite and things that aren't, but legit my takeaway from these three was like, oh my god, it is so much fun to watch him be Lex Luthor. Uh, I love this Lex, and I love, like, I specifically love that he infiltrates and takes the place of the Paragon of Truth. 
That's just so funny to me. Uh, I'm very excited about the possibilities, but the other big cliffhanger that I am excited about, just like comic book deep cut fan, he's not even a deep cut, he's a major character, but none of the rest of the world has heard of him yet. How about that Green Arrow twist? That's so cool. Yeah, that's that's very exciting. And that, that twist I'm all about. Like, If that had been the last frame, that would have been better for me. Like so that. just wind it back in your head. Yeah, no, I just delete John Cryer, and it's a show I enjoy. <laughs> I choose this to believe that you just have a problem with Lex Luthor, which is reasonable. Uh, but I love Michael Rosenbaum. <laughs> like, uh, one of the very few podcasts I listen to is Michael Rosenbaum and Chris Sullivan. They have a podcast together, and it's them talking about love. Aww. It's called In Love, and they just bring people on to talk about, like, the physics of love and the emotions of love and what it means to love and how it affects us chemically. Like, it's lovely. That's super And sweet. I wouldn't have found that if not for my love of Lex Luthor. <laughs> Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Also, I'm a Slytherin, so maybe there's something to it. Uh, okay, so that is our general discussion of the goodness of Infinite Crisis. As Christ it comes back Earth, yeah. up there, I keep doing that. Crisis and Infinite Earth, when it comes back, we'll do a review leading up to four, and we'll be talking about four and five, obviously, and my yelling about John Cryer existing. Uh, but we also got this week a Stargirl trailer. We did! What did you think? Uh, I, I'm, okay, I can't wait to see this show. Mm-hmm. Uh, this... She is a corner of the DC Universe I don't know as well, but the JSA is really dear to me. Uh, I'm really interested to see where this one goes because it will be going to, you know this by now, it's standard disclaimer, I work for DC Universe and I have a great time over there and I love it very much. Uh, And we're going to have that show as well as CW also having it, I believe is my understanding. Um, And so I'm really curious, like, what, if any, are the canon connections to other things? What are the plans there? Uh, But, like, the staff looks perfect. The outfit is great. It looks expensive. It does. Uh, and yeah, the the basic story idea of like, like that's just baked into the source material here. But like bonding with your stepfather through the background of like superheroing is real good. It's real good. Uh, what'd you think? Uh, I I thought it looked really expensive. Uh, <laughs> I thought it looked like an interesting story. I'm really I don't know about the tone because it was very like it was a trailer, so it's it was hard like to tell what the from this. Yeah, like especially with prominent comedic casting that signals to us as viewers like. Okay, is Starman funny? Should he be funny? Because I can't help laughing because I'm already thinking about funny things. What's going on? I'm remembering my history of laughing with this person, yes. and now I'm like, but will I laugh? And like the cut. So the the tone is hard to capture, which is which isn't its fault. But usually trailers kind of give me more of a shape. Uh, so I felt like the trailer didn't really give me a shape, um, but it definitely gave me a cool first look at like the scope. So I'm excited for the scope. I'm uncertain of the tone but i uh i also feel like it's going to be like black lightning where it's its own little thing that might later on get incorporated because because of the shared thing uh, that, i mean right back to crisis who knows who what's knows happening what there? also black lightning on crisis is so cool so like cool. his suit looks like it's from a different universe which works in the in the in the canon of the show but his presence also like that actor has so much presence yeah. that he also feels like he's from a new universe, which works in the canon of the show. Like, Just everything about. Just him talking to Barry. It's so oh. satisfying. It's, and I, I, I got to say, I was super down with the, I'm not going to specify, flash twist. But you'll know what I mean by brilliant. that. It was brilliant. I'm Loved not going to specify. It. And also, that would have been a better cliffhanger. There were so many other moments in that third episode. You're mad that you got more than one cliffhanger. I'm mad that the one they left with wasn't the one I liked. That's fair. But, you know, that's being a fan. Uh, (laughs) So the fact that I... We're comic book fans. We yell about things. It also feels good to be more passionate enough to yell about it because I wasn't after the first episode. Mm, When we had the first episode conversation, I was like, sure as a show. And now I'm like angry, which means it's working. 
Do you think, uh, sorry, crisis spoilers again, but uh, do you think that they are going to make some hay with uh, Baby in a Rocket escaping the wave of Annihilation, which is a major plot point in Crisis, or do you think it was just a clever little hat tip to the original plot of Crisis? I think it's a hat tip leading to their pilot episode. Mm-hmm. I think the pilot, I think the, that storyline ends with the pilot of their show. Cool, cool, cool. I feel like the Caneroverse and this are getting launched out of episodes four and five. Yeah. And I feel like the Arrow episode is going to be like a almost secondary back or a pilot because there's going to be so much stuff with the great Catherine McNamara. Yeah, honestly, I I watched these before we got to talk to her and she was such a delight to talk to that I'm like I want to rewatch everything she's in to be like now, she's now that great. I've met you like she's just I'm really excited. Uh, please tell I know that that show is like already set to happen but whatever we were talking about shades of green earlier i hope it's the greenest possible green it is the green arrow yeah <laughs> i i had met cat a few times so when i was watching arrow it was from the it was from where you are now mm-hmm. so it actually enhanced my entire arrow experience I'm like that girl's so great and then like the show got better because yeah. i was like back in the game uh <laughs> so i'm really excited for her spinoff uh now speaking of great casting thomas Frickin' Lennon <laughs> is Mr. Mixelpidlick, and I couldn't be more excited because Thomas Lennon is a goddamn genius. Uh, if you've never read his book— I'm nodding. You can't hear the uh, You can't hear the nodding. Amy's agreeing silently. <laughs> uh, he wrote a book about Hollywood and writing, and it's one of the best books I've ever written about this town. Hmm. It is it is detailed. It is brilliant. Uh, it's it's called like writing movies for fun and profit, uh, <laughs> and it's it's a really like it tells you the truth down to the point of telling you where you park for the studio lots is how much they care about your meeting, and that's so true. Uh, like what? if you're parking in like lot two, mm, lot five. Uh. So like it's been okay. Because uh, you're closer to the studio area. How, like, how far you walk is the level of respect they're giving you with parking. Like, there's stuff like that that you that don't read in normal books. Absolutely wild. When you park in Lot 5, if you got a 5 gate, you're doing great at Warner Brothers. <laughs> Shout out Warner Brothers. Parked Gate 5 the other day. Felt fancy. Uh, so, yeah, little, little things like that. And I love that Thomas Lennon, like, that's such a mischievous thing to include in a book, like Mr. Mixelpidlick. Okay. So, uh, I think he's perfectly cast. I love uh, most of the things he's done. He, yeah, and he's a recurring role. So, that's exciting. Uh, yeah, it should be. I, I am excited to see. This is going to be, I think, their second take on, on Mr. M or, uh, depending on who you ask, mix a spitlick or mixoplick. Uh, I believe the first one is more accurate, but the second one has some backing with, like, old Super Friends things. Uh, he's a great character, and I love to see him. And I love the silly side of things, as may be evidenced by my love of John Cryer's Life Luther. Uh, <laughs> and I think it sounds like a great fit. I'm excited. Now, this next one was tricky because it's an image. Uh, we have our first image, Google. Well, last week I spent, like, 20 minutes on posters. You, that's true. Like, and there's only so much time. It has to go here. and we talk about them. First image is very Googleable, and it's very dope. Lock and key. Yeah. We got a date last week or two weeks ago, and now we have the image of the actual house, and it looks just like the comic. The key house. It's so beautiful. It's perfect. Like, it's so good. Uh, I'm on volume three. I'm very happy. Uh, I think this is where I stopped when I was reading it because it's just time, so I'm about to read four, five, and six for the first time. Yee. Very excited. Um, it's I, I Joe Hill is so good at making you care about characters so quickly, and he's so good at making you feel like you're in the environment they're in mm-hmm. that it's jarring. Isn't it amazing to go but through this? And, and think about what interesting, like, there are going to be some wild performance challenges involved in this mm-hmm. show. Like, I, I, I don't want to spoil the story for anyone, but the daughter is going to have to do some things that will be, like, just a really interesting, how do you play this? What is that like up here to go yeah. up, out here? 
Uh, he's pointing to his head and, and then my mouth. Sort of oh, yeah, out in the direction of the audience. How do you translate from mind into externalized through verbiage? There we go. Nah, podcast. <laughs> How do I mime my own? <laughs> Uh, I and I think Lock and Key is a great way for people to discover Joe Hill. I'm loving his back, Basket Full of Heads book. Mm. Uh, it feels like you're watching a VHS horror movie. Aww. Like it, it truly feels like the old like Freddy the Thirteenth and Nightmare on Elm Street, but it's a comic. And uh, uh, rereading Lock and Key, I jumped twice. Uh, like volume <laughs> it's legitimately one, scary. I turned the page and I jumped. And I was like, I'm holding the book. Like it's in my hand. Yep. Like, it can't it, hurt you. It Honestly, uh, you will when you read the book, you will not be convinced that the book can't hurt you. Like, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm fairly certain the show will hurt me. Now that the book hasn't, I'm like, they're adapting it to get at me. They're coming for me. Yeah, and did just big horror content warnings on, uh, on, on Lock and Key there. It is scary. Get scary. Legit scary from minute one. And the but, whole Hill House line has been great. Uh, I'm, I'm digging Dollhouse. Uh, there's a new one this week, Low Low something. The Low Low Woods. Yes, the Low Low Woods. Yeah, all the Hill House stuff's been great. I'm very excited. We there were there were too many picks for today, but that's coming up, and when we get to comics, yep, and we're gonna rattle through because there's like 40 books. Uh, we also <laughs> got release dates before uh, this show. We we talked about them on Tuesday, but wanted to reiterate: Shazam Two is coming April 1st, 2022, and Flash is coming July 1st, 2022. If ever it will be then, uh, I'm still not. I I'm still not positive. Yeah, I still wrote Flash is dot 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 coming at all. <laughs> I have very little We're just trust. excited, but we, we, you know, we could make a super cut out of us talking about we think Flash is really happening this time on this show specifically. I also, I, I enjoy the irony of Barry Allen being the last guy there with superpowers. Less so in movies. Yeah. Less so is it fun to talk about his release date moving again. Barry, show up with your crime kit. Tell me what's happening. We have a Barry. He's starring in Crisis. And he's real we'll good. Just be excited for this one when he gets here. I enjoy the 22 hours we get of Barry. <laughs> and thank you, Grant Gustin, for running the game. Pun oh, intended. man. And we didn't even talk about Iris and oh, Joy. And like, the scene with uh, the, the, the non-spoiler scene between Grant and Candace is just exceptional. Mm-hmm. It's exceptional writing, exceptional acting. Good on you guys. Um... Next team event is well underway, question mark? Okay. This is an MCU thing. This is not a spoiler because it's so vague, but this was the biggest surprise of the week for me. I thought we were like seven or eight years out from another Avengers-level event because I thought they wouldn't be able to schedule it, for one. But also, with the team assembled, I'm surprised. But Kevin Feige has said, while doing press for Black Widow, that the next team-up is well underway. The seeds have already been planted. So I wanted to ask you who you think that is, because I thought it was going to be Young Avengers. We've only met two of them. Okay, here's the thing. When I, my interpretation of this quote, and it's worth going to look up the specific wording, because as is so much fun with Kevin Feige, he knows how to not tell us too much. Uh, When he says that another, like, big event is well on its way, or whatever the specific word, what I took that to mean is that, the behind-the-scenes things that are required to set that up are happening. Not that we have already seen on screen the uh, seeds that are planted for that. Fair. What I think that means is, like, we have this next phase that lasts for two years or whatever. Um, and, like, you might even be right. It could be seven years away. It mm-hmm. might not be that much. But, like, for me, a big team-up, like, world-ending disaster happening seven years from now would go perfectly with him saying well underway because he's already got the, like, 25 movies in between now and then (laughs) thought through. Right. If that makes sense. He's a futurist. Uh, So, essentially, 
it is interesting, like, that he would decide to start teasing that this early because there there obviously are so many separate threads and we're all sort of like, well, you're going to take some time to do separate things, right? But to me, if Eternals is sowing seeds that are going to lead towards other things, yeah. he can reasonably say it's well underway because he's making that movie right now. Right. And it's, it's well underway. underway. There's a script or yeah. there's a blank attached. Yeah, that's uh, fair. So th- that was my takeaway from this. It is interesting because I don't know whether that next thing will have the name Avengers on it. Right. Um, and I, he didn't imply it would or not, which is Yeah, fun. he didn't. He just said, like, another big thing will eventually come along. And that to me is I was like, all right, he's uh, – it is MCU big, water wet. Because he – I mean he could – like, look, it, he didn't necessarily have to go in this direction. A, mm-hmm. he could have been like retiring in the glory, did my thing, I'm out. Um, B, he could have been like we can't go bigger so we must go smaller and we're going to stay small or we're going to start dividing the universe into pieces or something like that. Um he instead is doing what comics do, which is now that we know this is possible and that we really like it, let's try to do it again. And mm-hmm. hats off to you. Uh, I will be on board for every second of it. Uh, but I assume it will come at us in a way that is nice and surprising, but that like the characters we fall in love with in the movies of the next few years will be the major players. So Shang-Chi, he's mm-hmm. going to be involved. Uh, like The sequels to Black Panther and Captain Marvel probably won't. I hope that they don't make them all do story stuff that sets that up. But the people we spend time in, the emotional investment that we put into characters in the next couple of years is likely going to lead in the way that Endgame, like, Endgame is a sequel to the Guardians movies in terms of Nebula's arc is so satisfying if you watch those movies. But it's not like the Guardians movies had to be designed in a certain way so that we could get Endgame. Right. That kind of building is what I want and expect out of the MCU in future. So in that sense, I think the pieces are underway in that he's like, we have a cast of characters, we're spending our time with people, and he's probably planting little plot things here and there that we will start to see. Does Ten that make foil, sense? Totally. Yeah. Tenfoil hat theory. Okay. It's 2021. What? No. Loki, WandaVision, Doctor Strange all tie into each other. What if we have a big event a la Nightmare spinning out of WandaVision? Like we have Wanda as Scarlet Witch, who mm-hmm. may or may not be the villain, and that ties into the genre hopping and, and time hopping Loki, and, and and Doctor Strange is a full-on like event picture. the movie Doctor Strange and the Multiples of Madness that you're talking about would be where this happens? Yeah. Like all, all of those things lead to the event movie that is Doctor Strange. Like if you have Vision, I feel like Scarlet that's Witch, the and all that crossover before the next big crossover. Okay, I can see that. Like your <laughs> Civil War before your Avengers. Yeah. Okay, but I think I think I my new theory is Doctor Strange can be real real big. Uh, I am excited. I'm I'm interested because I'm curious what I like Scott Derrickson. Did, what, so much of what worked about the first Doctor Strange for me was based on it being a great like standalone story that drew on his horror experience for something that wasn't trying to be all things to all people, but doing its one specific thing I thought really well. Sure. Um, I'm curious whether Scott Derrickson is interested in doing a like giant does everything for everyone kind of crossover thing, whether he would consider this sort of a natural growth and extension from the first one, or whether he'd want to make something that is, I guess we can rule out it being super siloed because we already know that uh, Wanda's involved in some way. Mm-hmm. I'm curious. Right? I so, I don't know. What know. It is. I want to know what he's interested in doing. I want to know what they're giving to us, but I also don't want to know anything until I sit down. So, live with that contradiction. <laughs> Very tricky doing this show. Not knowing what you want, but wanting it all. Uh, we also got a quote about Black Widow that I dug from uh, back at Brazil. 
We have Kevin Feige saying, quote, it was about four years ago as we were working on Infinity War and Endgame at the same time. We knew that we wanted to bring her story, oh, sorry, Black Widow, to bring Black Widow's story to a conclusion in the most heroic way possible in Endgame, but also that we wanted to explore a part of her life that we hadn't seen before. It occurred to us that we had seen her adventures in the Avengers movies, but a lot of stuff happened in between those movies that we never saw, we didn't hear about, we didn't learn about. And with that, we wanted to do a movie with Scarlett Johansson because she is Natasha Romanoff and not do a story with a younger Black Widow for the whole film. Uh, the this quote, is in theoretical response to why not just do a prequel from before she's even in Avengers. Mm-hmm. Or the Red Room stuff from yeah. Joss Whedon. Uh, but the quote, the part of the quote that really stands out for me, which I think is cool, but we had this thought of exploring a little bit of her past that we hadn't seen here and how that impacts the adventure she had between Civil War and Infinity War. And in fact, there are things that she does in Infinity War and Endgame that you'll see in a new light once you see the Black Widow. I think we finally get to see her hair dyed. <laughs> But, like, also, I think there's a, a something that happens that causes that. I think that, like... So I think this is nice, but I don't need this, mm. if that makes sense. I'm happy to read this quote. I'm happy about what it means for their thoughtful approach, for figuring out what story to tell when. But hair newsy. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm always down for hair news <laughs> uh, at all times. Uh, specifically, I mean, it's, it is extra funny, though, because it's comic book people. We get really attached to what their hair is like. We really do. Like. Uh, I do think the... I don't need this movie to be a secret Rosetta Stone to some stuff I've already seen. Mm. I just want it to be a standalone Black Widow adventure that I enjoy starring Black Widow. Like, that's what I want from a Black Widow solo movie. If it then gives me stuff that makes those other ones richer, yes, icing on the cake. But the cake itself for me is just this movie. We're getting a Black Widow standalone adventure. Okay, I'm into that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I don't want them to get obsessed with being like, and now Tied this in line this will year. land differently because blah blah blah. Like, just let it be what it is. Yeah, uh, yeah. Into it. I I I know very little about the Black Widow movie, which I'm enjoying. <laughs> uh, I've seen that trailer many many times, and yet I know so little. And it's May, and like that seems far, but it ain't. It's not. May I'm is excited. soon. Like I'm 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 ready. And so I'm going we to pray Black Widow and Wonder Woman. What is next year? That's insane. And also, I, I we talked about it on, on an episode uh, of Heroes. I, I'd gotten like a little fatigue, mm. and it's been really nice to have these smaller films, and then next year I'll be ready by May. Like, I'm already ready now, so I'm really excited. And Watchmen was the perfect, like, palate cleanser of mm. it was all the superhero things I want, but it was so contained and dense and all and all the things that aren't shiny. Like, I needed a break from shiny, and Watchmen was like... Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> uh, we talked about this on the show, but Kamel Nanjiani is... Uh, is looking real good. Uh, <laughs> I I'm very proud of him. Uh, he put it. He put in the work at the gym. Uh, the the Marvel training regimen is is a goddamn. It's a powerhouse. Um, whatever whatever red room or super soldier serum or whatever the hell they they engineer uh, training wise is is incredible. Uh, and I don't mean serum by steroid. I had a whole rant on heroes. I don't <laughs> think the man did anything illegal. Uh, I think he just worked his butt off. And I respect hard work. Get some. Um, Anything else to say? In uh, yeah, I'm trying child. to figure out what to add there. Like, I mean, he looked good before. He looks good now. He did now. look good. I, it, I, Keep it, looking good. It, I'm glad that he is happy. Uh, He's going to be a superhero. I'm enjoying a lot of really great jokes about, uh, <laughs> like, the Marvel Universe serving up. Uh, it, I, I assume this means there will be a shirtless scene. Because... I mean, otherwise. <laughs> that poor man. A year of that kind of work. That, they better be a shirtless set of scenes. They should give him a series. <laughs> Um, cause that ain't easy. Getting out of like 8% body fat. Give the man two hours Brad Pitt in the long. Um, what's, uh, da, 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 da. it was a thout, a thing, Kamel, the scene, the Eternals. My brain had a whole, a whole tangent and it quickly left me. It evaporated. Oh no. We'll circle back. It's gone. Maybe it'll come back. 
Birds of prey. This next one, uh, I noticed you, you put on here. We're this was sort of new news. I think it comes from interviews with the producers from mm-hmm. these set visits for Birds of Prey, which are starting to filter out to news right now. Uh, and it essentially is partly a reiteration of what we already knew, but sort of laid out in clearer terms, which is that Birds of Prey is a standalone uh, and is not a direct sequel to Suicide Squad. Yeah. And and a lot of people are upset about it, but I I also think Suicide Squad Two is not going to be a direct sequel to Suicide Squad. Like I, it's called the Suicide Squad, and I think it, they both have Harley Quinn in it, but I think that's where it ends. Um, so I I'm really curious where like DC goes with their shared versus unshared, and what is tied and what isn't tied. But I think it's really cool they're taking all these risks and making really good content instead of being married to. Uh, a canon. Like, I, I'd much rather see adventures and than... it's funny because, like, ordinarily, I love shared continuity stuff in comics, but Suicide Squad as a foundation for a shared universe is... It, it's maybe easier for me to let that go than it would be, like, say, you know, if you... I'm trying to figure out the right way to put this. There are foundations for a shared universe that would make more sense to me from the perspective of the DC universe than Suicide Squad, which is always, even like in its best moments, tends to be uh, we are off here doing our own thing. You don't make the X-Force the core X-Men team. Right. Like the whole point of them is they're doing their own thing. Yeah. So I think of Suicide Squad as the X-Force of the bad guys in the, in the DC universe. So I, I, you, don't, you don't start there. I, and so that makes it easier for me to be like, okay, new creative team is coming on, just like in comics. They're going to soft reboot the things and use the things they want to use. Um, and, I mean, the truth is that in comics I would get mad about something like, well, am I supposed to believe that this happened or not? But because of our current film environment, I'm just for some reason finding it very easy to be like, nah, this is its own thing. She's still Harley Quinn. But, like – just assume in the background it, they'll tell us whatever we need to know when we open this movie. We all know who Harley is. Yeah. We, <laughs> if you don't know who Harley Quinn is, you're probably not watching that movie. Uh, <laughs> just, just foundationally. Like, she's one of the most iconic characters. Hard stop in comic books. <laughs> uh, now, we also – I <laughs> – Zack Snyder – uh, shared another shot of black costume Spider-Man. Oh, Spider-Man. Black co- see, when I say black costume, I see Spider-Man because that's my favorite suit. Yeah. I, yeah, I just like Spider-Man. Oh, no, Superman. Um, and I maintain that Zack Snyder has controlling stock in Vero because whenever he does this, it is all the rage and Vero gets all the clicks and frankly, I want to know what that deal is because it is impressive, Zack Snyder. <laughs> you have like piecemeal assembled the Snyder Cut on Vero and I wonder if people have edited that together yet. Uh, I love the look of the black costume on Henry Cavill. I think it looks fantastic but it also looked like We've seen images of it moving, so I, I think it was interesting that this caused so much uproar in the internet, a still image when we've seen images of it moving. Uh, people are still really excited, really clamoring for it. I still think it might end up in HBO. I, I think one of the things people were responding to here is that in this one, he had uh, said that the that like either said or reiterated that the costume change would be part of what he had hoped for a multi-movie arc. Oh, right. It was um, going to so be I like Justice League the, 2 or, or down yeah, the line. Yeah, like the, that, uh, that those tying together of those options and those plans. And for the folks who are, who are really curious about that, um, I would recommend you go check out those quotes because he's uh, still laying out pieces of information there. Yeah, he's laying groundwork for that whole shape of thing. And, it's, and it is fascinating. Uh, speaking of fascinating and part of the DC Universe, this casting, I was I couldn't think of a single other person in the world than Gal Gadot for Wonder Woman. And then I found out this week, Olga Kurilenko 
Kurilenko, it's, I do, I'm butchering that name. It's a beautiful name. Uh, was almost Wonder Woman, and that is such a cool like. She's the perfect Elseworlds Wonder Woman for me because Aww. I can completely see the entire through line of how she'd play it and like her her Diana. And I love this actress. She is so captivating and so intense and so talented. And uh, I I it's always cool when you love a casting choice and you don't see anyone else, and all of a sudden you're like, but wait. Um, and this was really exciting. Uh, do you know her work? She was in. She I'm was one of the. Wait. Yeah, she's she's fantastic, and I totally see it. And it was really cool to. Uh, that's and it also made me realize how much I love Gal Gadot because I was like, I've never even considered another Wonder Woman. She yeah. is that. Gal Gadot is, is uh, has turned out to be just like gift casting, uh, <laughs> and it makes me so happy. Um, I I I from what I've seen, I think Olga Kurylenko would have done a great job. When I imagine an Elseworlds Wonder Woman, I imagine things that are like further away from Gal, mm-hmm. just because that's sort of the fun of like we already have sort of the perfect this version. Sure. Um, I but and I'd love to see you know like super tall, broad shouldered Wonder Woman as we've talked about as would be a great thing to see. Uh, but like. Uh yeah, honestly, I want a just legion of wonderful Wonder Woman eventually in my life. So it is nice to have uh, another image to put with that. Into the day anniverse. <laughs> watch the hell exactly. out of it. Give us that. Uh, we also found out this week, and this seemed obvious to me, but enough people tweeted it. Uh, James Gunn spoke with David Ayer about the Suicide Squad. That's cool. I like when great, talented people that are in the same shared situation talk. Uh, you know, if you're t- making a movie in the same realm, you have a conversation. So, uh, James Gunn, nice guy. Talk to him. Yeah, this guy. was just a, a conversation that, that was reported. And it's nice to know that there was contact there and conversations there. We didn't get a lot of detail here. Uh, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't really change the things we already think about that. Like, for instance, this is not a direct sequel. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is... Neat to think of all these filmmakers who are playing in similar sandboxes, all being like, okay, like my turn. Let's do the thing. Let's all be friendly. I don't know. It's nice. It's nice. It was just, it was a positive. And I just also want to be a fly on the wall because I'd love to hear what James Gunn and David Ayer had to say to each other. Like, both very brilliant directors. Uh, Speaking of brilliant directors, Venom 2. (laughs) Venom 2 is brilliant production, guys. Tom Hardy, Instagram. Instagrammed out, tweeted out. How do you, how do you, what's the verb of Instagramming? Posted. He posted on Instagram a shot of Andy Circus, and then later on a shot uh, with an orphanage was framed. I'm hoping they're doing Carnage's backstory. Mm. That's what I see when I look at those two haunting images. I want some Woody Harrelson. There's rumors of it being rated R now with Joker's success. I could easily see them going for that. We didn't have a rated R Venom, which was so many people were upset about the first time around. Mm. It also made a lot of money because it was PG-13. Who knows? We're also going to be two years older by the time it comes out. What, what is this? There's a puzzle book I'm in Dallas space. Uh, I was hoping you would vamp while I looked this up. Uh, about the money? Or uh, about the, the rating? What's happening? I I'm going to vamp. So Woody yeah, Harrelson as Carnage, I would love to see backstory. I thought one of the only weaknesses, one of the only, Venom's a lot of fun, but one of the weaknesses was the villain didn't seem to have a lot of like meat to them. So I'd love to see the villain get some more you know, time to shine. Now that we've met Venom, I want third act Venom to be the character through line and then meeting the new villain would be all of the fun, especially like Carnage. Yeah, I literally forgot Venom wasn't rated R, even though we spent 18,000 years <laughs> talking about whether it was going to be R the, and whether it was A R. year and a half of our lives. Oh, my gosh. It landed on PG-13. It did. It did. <laughs> uh, so I'm, I am curious what this movie is going to be. Uh, I hope it is a lot of fun. It's got some wonderful people working on it. And uh, we it, it does seem, now that that R-rated door has been kicked open by Logan and Joker, uh, I expect... Many things to follow through. And Deadpool. I'm sorry to leave out Deadpool. How dare I? Number two R-rated movie of all time. Deadpool. 
or three. Oh no. Oh no, I betrayed my boy. Wait, something just took it over. It chapter I feel like two. We're having the nineties right now, but in movies. Yes. What's Venom gonna be? What's that. Deadpool gonna be? Yeah. How's that gonna go? They sure are successful. They sure are doing well. Is there a Chromium variant? Uh, we also, this week, have to talk about the biggest week of comics of the year. Oh, my gosh. Every single thing ships this week because it's very small for the next two weeks. Uh, there are sort of token shippings for the next two weeks. There's some great books in there. Uh, we'll talk about them when we get closer. But, uh this week, everything in the world ships, starting with Batman 85, the end of Tom King's run. We also have Wonder Woman Dead Earth, a black label Wonder Woman book. Oh, I'm so excited. Harleen number three. Superman Smashes the Clan number two. And Gwenpool Strikes Back number five. Now, I'm just going to read you guys Okay. what comics come out this week that I have <laughs> that I want to read. Just mine. There are others. 2099 Omega number one, Amazing Spider-Man number 36, Avengers number 28, Basketball of Heads number three, Batman 85, uh, Batman Last Night on Earth number three, Batman Superman number five, Black Panther 19, Count, Count, Count Crowley number three, Daredevil 15, Doomsday Glock number 12, Excalibur 4, Fallen Angels 4, Family Tree 2, Ghost Spider 5, Guardians of the Galaxy 12, Gwenpool Strikes Back 5, Harleen 3, Hellblazer John Constantine 2, History of the Marvel Universe number six, Joker Killer Spiral number two, King Thor number four, Legion of Superheroes number two, The Lolo Woods number one, Marauders number four, New Mutants number four, Revenge of Cosmic, Ghost Rider number one, Runaways number 28, Scream Curse of Carnage number two, Shazam 9, Spider-Man 3, Spider-Man Velocity 5, Strayed 5, Suicide Squad 1, Superman Smashes the Clan 2, Superman's Pal Jimmy Olsen 6, Tony Stark Iron Man 19 and X-Force number 4. Yeah, it's a shame you aren't going to have anything to do during the <laughs> holiday break. Like what? That is so many good books it in one week. Truly astonishing. The end of Tom King's Batman run and uh, the years-long culmination final, I believe, episode of Jason Aaron's Thor work. The fact that King Thor didn't make it because of the amount of books this week. Like there's there's oh, so many books that boy. like should would be number 1s. They're number 6s. It's a truly stupid week. Uh, I am so excited about Wonder Woman Dead Earth. I, I just I can't hold my breath. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's it's insane. So this week, uh, prepare to enjoy your comics before you enjoy your family time. Lock yourself in a room. That way you're not, you know, reading comics for your family. You got to spend some time with them. Give them love. Give them focus. Give them attention. Buy uh, them comics for the holidays and then steal those comics back and read them. Yes. And then read your little siblings' comics so they learn how to read on comics and they turn out like me, which is fairly <laughs> stable. We're great. Uh, we're great. Look at us go. Uh, you're listening. You're an hour in. How you doing? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it was it was an incredible week in comics. Arguably the biggest. I, I haven't seen a, a week like this. I mean, you literally know directly, but, like, this was a hell of a thing. It's, it's a lot. <laughs> it's, it's a lot. So uh, be nice to your comic book employees this week. They have a lot of books they just pulled. <laughs> um, but it's a great week. Uh, we got, uh, yeah, that, that last night on Earth has been a long time coming. Uh, it, it, like DC shipped a couple dozen books this week. It's so much. There's so, so much. So much. So congratulations to comic fans. We're winning because that is a hell of a week. But also uh, tune in because on next week's show we are going to look at this incredible bounty of comics right now and pick our five favorite collections or trade paperbacks for the year is what we're doing on next week's Regular Heroes. There's no giant size next week. But next week on Regular Heroes we're doing uh, our, our best comics of the year. Uh collected and trades so i'm very very curious if y'all have picks let us know um, now we've th- already decided so. we have they're great i'm <laughs> proud of us and there's some little shenanigans so i got some stuff in there you'll see you'll see 2019 slash 18 uh i also this is a tricky thing i'm gonna i'm gonna stay politically centered uh this week 
Donald Trump used... Sorry, you said Nancy Reagan was the worst thing to happen to the country. That's the true. Year, so. I'm going to go all the way. <laughs> okay, so a certain uh, president is is rerunning, and uh, I've my caption was, Trump models himself after a villain in the throes of defeat, and the character creator denounces the whole thing. Jim Starlin, can we just play can for love to Can we just... You? Uh, because, you know, one, it's really cool to see things so mainstream that they make it to a literal political campaign. That's, that's why I wanted to include this is because we have a we have a we live in a world where Thanos is part of a real life presidential campaign. That sounds like a CW skit. It, that sounds like something yeah. in Smallville that would have been like Lex Luthor is using blah 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 to run. It's real. So I wanted to include it because of the magnitude of it. But I gotta say, if you use a clip of the bad guy and then you use a clip of the bad guy losing, I just can't it is difficult to process, so I'm just focusing on how great Jim Starlin is. Jim Starlin said, quote, I didn't say it. Jim said, <clears throat> these are sad and strange times we are going through. Uh, oh, nope. There's a video pop-up. God damn it, HollywoodReporter.com. Why do you have pop-ups on your website when but I'm reading also, quotes? Thank you, Hollywood Reporter. Also, thank you for the quote. <laughs> Uh, after my initial feeling of being violated, seeing that pompous fool using my creation to stroke his infantile ego, it finally struck me that the leader of my country and free world actually enjoys comparing himself to a mass murderer. How sick is that? These are sad and strange times we are going through. Fortunately, all things, even national nightmares, eventually come to an end. And I won't say what I think of that quote, but I'll say you should support Jim Starlin. Uh, yeah, it is It is a heck of a thing. Uh, uh, and... <laughs> I don't. I don't. I, how does one even talk about it? Um, Jim Starlin's great. Jim Starlin's okay. great. Yep. All right, on to you guys. <laughs> Twitter questions. All right, we're gonna try to get through a couple of these before this is our last giant size of the year. We've got Admiral Jack Barr at the Geeky Gator says Mark Ruffalo recently said he planned a meeting with Kevin Feige to discuss the Hulk role in future MCU movies. Considering he can't have a solo film, where do you see him fitting in future MCU films? Ant Man three, Thor four. Hashtag letter. Now, I will say, we none of us have actually seen these contracts, but our understanding is that he could have a solo film, but it would have to have some kind of distribution arrangement with a different company. Universal owns the solo, that. yeah. And so those are the reasons why we don't expect to see a solo film. It's not that he literally can't. Uh, but you are correct that we don't see that probably happening. Uh, so what do you think? Do you see Besides like, She-Hulk. I mean, we have to at least reference... I mean, I don't want him to be a distraction in She-Hulk, but I want to... His, Certainly get to enjoy the fact that she is part of a connected Marvel universe and he is our MCU Hulk. I mean, I see no reason not to enjoy that. That's fantastic. Yeah, I'd say I'd say uh, a great. It'd be cool for a pilot too to see Mark Ruffalo. Like it'd be cool to be like, oh look, it's this universe. Uh, so I see him in She Hulk and maybe Thor four. Those are my two bets. Yeah, there's not going to be a lot of room in Thor four, but <laughs> because he was so much fun in that, it would be very nice if they could work that out. I also I'd love to see him come up in some surprising context. Just use him in like one of the ones we're not calling, like you know Shang Chi two. Yeah, like do, do just surprise us again. Gathering Young Avengers. Oh, he's Smart Hulk. I'd love to see him. Like you know, he's not fighting. He's trying to like he's Xaviering. So in the comics, they end up being semi mentored by Jessica Jones post her solo series. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I, while I'd love to see a version of that happen again, he would obviously be a great fit for a like talk to them kids, right? I can uh, totally kind see of that. Role. Who knows? Clay Williams at Clay Film One Hundred says, "What trends do you expect to be prominent in comics in twenty 
it's interesting because we are now close enough that the comics we're seeing in 2020 are already being worked on and come up with and have already, like, you know, it's not as long a tale as movies, but uh, trends in 2020. We got, as we've talked about, like, a lot of great things came to an end this year. A lot of things closed down. And a lot of new stories started up this year. But what I think we're going to see next year is as the first collections of all of those new things hit, we are going to be discovering what some of our next favorite long-form books are. Mm -hmm. That I expect to see, like, a wave of have you read this, share it with your friends, word of mouth on new stuff. The other thing is that I think the trend going on right now is going to continue of uh, a lot of the variation in where people are getting their comics. It's not going to be new to 2020 because it's already huge, but like Webtoon uh, and other online distribution sources are an increasing, unignorable piece of the comic book storytelling landscape. And I expect that to continue in a big way as especially online sources figure out how to talk about that stuff uh, and we start sharing attention between like the – uh, regular print comics and other forms of comic book storytelling. I agree. Uh, I also think the escalation of uh, the individualized books, like the the young adult books we're reading at DC, I think we're going to get more of those because I think mm-hmm. they're doing, I mean, seven printings for Cami and Piccolo is I think incredible. it's only actually like five, but I, I might be seven by Hyperbolic. It'll be seven by 2020. Yeah. So I, I see those indie, uh, in, in, uh, sorry, not indie as an indie, but individual individual uh, books. Uh, I think those are going to escalate. I think we're going to see a lot of black label type stuff. I wouldn't be surprised if Marvel replicates the black label line in some way and does an older so skewing. They have Icon, but they haven't been using. They haven't it. been. And I think I think the success of uh, Bendis on Wonder Comics and the success of Black Label and the young adult stuff is going to make more Marvel imprints come up. Mm-hmm. So I could see a Marvel imprint happening like second, third quarter. Because they got like a, a mini Marvel Knights relaunch last year, but the twentieth anniversary really, they didn't really yeah. do anything with it. Mm-hmm. And this twenty ninety nine thing, like I I'm a sucker for Miguel, Miguel O'Hara, but mm-hmm. like I don't see it doing like long term effects. So I could see an imprint coming out of something like that. So I, I think a black label adjacent thing over at Marvel. Um, I also think with all of these creators finishing their runs, we're going to get a lot of our new favorite indie books. Like, I've been on such an indie kick this last year, rereading stuff and, like, learning new stuff. I think, like, Image and Boom and Dark Horse, they're going to they're gonna catch new waves, and I feel like comics are really going to shift this year. So I, I see independence getting more power, and I see uh, Marvel diversifying. I also think Marvel's going to start printing about four-fifths of the books they do now. I see them cutting uh, back. You think? They have, I think, a little too many books right now. Like, I, it's exhausting. They also to... have a dominant market share. They do, they do. But I, I see Kevin Feige leaning out the, uh, like... Oh, yeah, that's Kevin what we're going to see is the first year of influence with Kevin Feige as chief creative officer, which is a, like, an unprecedented... I mean, in comics... The structure and nature of leadership in comic book companies is fascinating to me because it seems to change all the time. Like, And it's always unclear to us as consumers who exactly is responsible for what. Uh, going, That's a long tradition. Going back mm-hmm. to which things is Dick Giordano doing? Uh, there's, it, it's, it's very interesting to see the history of leadership there. But Kevin Feige's role is an unprecedented one as far as I can tell uh, of someone who is very married to the creative but also coming at it from an outside perspective. I'm really curious to see what that's going to look like. Uh, But the only other thing I was going to mention is a book that just got announced that I am so excited for. Uh, what are they calling it? It's like a Champions relaunch. It's Eve Ewing and Saladin Ahmed. Ooh. Um, because I love they them. just put to bed uh, Ironheart, the mm-hmm. 12-parter. Mm-hmm. But they are cooking up something together. 
Uh, I think, if I'm remembering Twitter correctly right now, I know that I am excited and e-viewing is on a new book that has a lot of the cast from Champions, uh, nice. but I can't remember what it's called. I just know I want it. My and that's coming for us. most anticipated book of 2020 is far and away Strange Adventures. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they just had him pop up in Superman 18. So I'm very excited because I was like, oh, it's coming! So Strange Adventures is my big book of next year, and I hope... I also think... Uh, characters getting more uh, time to be existential and have like self-conflict will be a thing next year like I, I see that happening because all those books have been super successful like Tom King's stamp on comic books is rippling out like I, I feel like Vision turning into Mr. Miracle turning into his Batman run like I feel like we're going to see more heroes in crisis <laughs> Sorry, had to happen uh, and, and Yuletide Nate at Dark of Nate asks all things X-Books? Oh, um, Dark of Nate uh, It's a great question it's uh, succinct. Hawks and Pox for sure. I'm going to use this holiday break to catch the heck up on Xbox. X Force is incredible. Oh, that's so exciting. Marauders is incredible. That's so exciting. X Force is the darkest it's been since the 90s, maybe darker. Oh. At one point, you, and you're, it's not your thing, but that's why it's great because it's my. It's I can go read the X Force. You don't have to, and you've got all your X Men books. I mean, and I might love it. I loved Uncanny. There X-Force. is a scene where. And I don't know how they never did this before. It's like a nine-page, nine-panel page, and Wolverine is flexing his claws uh-huh. in anger, like a stress ball. Aww. And that makes so much sense because when you're mad and you kind of grip stuff, and like <laughs> pain sometimes helps you alleviate stress. Like it's just it's the most Wolverine thing ever, and it took forty years. And that's the moment I saw that, I was like, "That's such a Wolverine move to like snick, pop, snick, pop, right?" Like, but you wouldn't do that before decompressed storytelling was the thing because you didn't have time in a panel. Like, okay, right? It sounds fascinating. Check it out, it, and like uh, you might not be your cup of tea. Uh, you know, there spoilers for three months ago's book. It's on issue four. This was issue two. They're flaying Domino and using her skin to get into Krakoa. Because they need that, like wow. it's dark, and I didn't think they'd wow. go there with X Men, and like that's the the so start of it. I'm also very curious because I loved House of X and Powers of Ten, Powers of X, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I loved that reading experience. I thought that so much of the storytelling was great, so much of it was wonderful. But I think I can safely, like, without feeling bad about spoilers, now that it's out in collected editions, it left me with a ton of ethical questions mm. because I was like, so, so you just. You, you actually went with we're bullying our way into worldwide respect and holding people hostage with new technologies uh, because we've kind of given up on other approaches. And it makes sort of a lovely argument. And, like, of all people, White Queen calls uh, Professor X on that. But then, like, that wonderful line that's buried in there where she uh, mentally pushes one of the reps to change their mind. And Xavier's like, that kind of thing leaves a mark on both people. My thing is, I'm like, it does though. What What are you doing? In series, what what what? uh, So I'm very curious to see what version when I finally get caught up with all of the books that spun out of it with Dawn of X. um, I'm going into this beautiful, optimistic age. Very much the like, what are you doing, guys? What what have we thought this through? (laughs) And I'm really curious to see uh, how they're going to handle all that. And it is fun. Pirate Kitty ride. Pride, you're gonna love. Marauders I is, is probably am. It's a, it's a jam, and Lockheed's back, and there's a lot of happiness there. Ugh. It's the anti X Force. It's, <laughs> it's 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 she's dark and snarky, but the book is a pirate book, so it's fun and hijinksy. <laughs> Whereas X Force, I read, and I'm like, what have they done? Uh, uh, yeah, X Men books are are so good right now. Uh, so yeah, I will we'll try to make more time for those as as Amy catches up and they develop because there's a whole corner of the universe again. It feels so good to have X Men have a cornerback. 
here's my other theory. The reason we felt like X-Men went away is that they once they renumbered Uncanny, nobody could keep track of anything. That's fair. Because the, as we have talked about multiple times on the show, there have never stopped being X-Books. But there were only like three, and there's usually like 13. So I feel like also the number dwindling affected people's perception of how many, of the I X-Books. I guess. I, it, there's like nine right now. Yeah, there's a lot. And it of feels like the X-Men books are back <laughs> because we're used to having like nine X-Men books. Yeah, but even <laughs> while Wolverine was dead, he had three books. But that's Wolverine. To me, Wolverine and X-Men have separated in such a way that I'm like, yeah, there's Wolverine books. <laughs> but like I haven't had a Gen X book in my hands in far too long. There was a Gen X book last year. It was like five issues, wasn't it? It went like eight. Oh, see? You see? Just saying. More Gen X. Chris Pacello, I mean, yeah, come back. I'm not going to argue with Ash you. Ashcan edition. <laughs> uh, last two questions while we have... I, we've gone like two hours today. KB Tibbs at KB Tibbs asks, A lot of comic adaptations become big tentpoles for reasons previously discussed. What are some comic adaptations that could help restore a market for medium budget movies? Mm. Or are those comics destined to be serialized TV and streaming? Great question. Love I love this, this question. whole question. Uh, I love where you're coming from on this uh, because the answer I think should probably be both. Mm-hmm. Because whether it becomes a movie or serialized, I would like to think can increasingly be a question not of how much budget does it require, but literally of what is the best format for this. We're seeing it like Watchmen, thank God, got to be a TV show um, because this particular story that they're telling would have been basically impossible to do in a two-hour movie. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that there aren't wonderful self-contained stories that can be told into our movies. So I want to see strongly both. I want to see other kinds of like – I mean, the kitchen style, Road to Perdition style Mm -hmm. adaptations of comic book material that can be standalone stories that can be mid-size because there is so much different storytelling you can do based on comics. Uh, And I also want to see serialized TV and streaming picking up all of these wonderful long-form things now that we have budgets for it. You? Uh one hundred percent agree. I think making things more contained is going to benefit us, and then like them going into event books, and like, it's just like comics having events and then getting back to small. Having events, getting back to small. You can have your movies be giant or medium budget, and you can have your show be giant or medium budget. They shouldn't be mutually exclusive. Like they should be able to do the, both their own thing. But I'd love to see more, you know, independent comics get adapted. I'd love to. I'd love to see. Like, Bendis like is, Jeff Lemire books would be yes, uh, amazing great. mid-budget ones. Some of them. Some of them need giant, crazy sci-fi budgets. But, like, um, but Bendis he does a Indies. wide range of things. Yeah, Bendis is Indies. Like Scarlet or Pearl. Mm-hmm. Like I'd love to see a mid-budget Scarlet or a, or a mid-budget Pearl. Like those things. Um, and I also think that you can do a more mid-budget thing like The Joker. That was a mid-budget film, and you can do that with the right character, and you can make that either TV or film. Right. So it all it all depends on the tone you're trying to capture, but I personally would love to see more comic book adaptations that aren't giant spectacle blockbusters. I'd like to see more Logans. I'd like to see more Watchmen, frankly. <laughs> Watchmen was very huge while being contained. Uh, our last question we asked on Heroes – uh, but I wanted to know, would, I thought we'd have more time. We've been talking for two hours. Uh, ben Berkowitz at Ben Berkowitz asked, what are your most anticipated releases in any medium 2020? Woof! Wonder Woman 1984. Yeah? I mean... Strange Adventures, I think, for me. I'm as excited for Strange Adventures as I am, like, Black Widow. There's so much. There's so much. Uh, when does Sandman come out? We don't know yet. Uh, when, I don't know when Doom Patrol Season 2 is coming out. There's there's a lot. There's a lot. We'll yeah. have to get into it. On Let's get into show. it. Well, that's, okay, once again, the sweaty question is too sweaty this time because, frankly, there's so much coming out, and I'm very excited. So until next week, stay, stay sweaty. sweaty. Stay little chico, pitbull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends... Over at State Farm, I believe that to have success, you got to play the game so that the game doesn't play you. 
you know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. I have pen fed, that's a fact. I have pen fed, that's a fact. My credit card purchases get me cash back. My credit card purchases get me cash back. No one else gets these rewards. Sergeant, that is just plain untrue. What in tarnation? Sir, PenFed's PowerCash Rewards Card isn't just for military members. Anyone can get cash back on all purchases. Ah, friggins! You've ruined my favorite song. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash PowerCash. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA.